0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of the podcast, a cannabis podcast for buddy enthusiasts. This episode, as always, was brought to you by our sponsors, Seeds Here Now. You know them, they're the best. Guarantee on satisfaction, not just germination. As well as 420 Australia, your number one store for 420 lifestyle and apparel. And finally, organic gardening solutions. If you're looking to get the absolute best crop possible, you have to see these guys. In this episode, we're thankful to be joined by Smellin' Mad of Smellin' Boat Seeds. Here to talk the usual deal, genetics, history, plans for the future, you know it. Here we go. Alrighty, so a big welcome and thank you for Smellin' Mad for coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing? Good, Bubba. How are you? I'm doing good. First question I wanted to ask, a little deviant from the normal first question. We almost got into it a second ago, but I want you to tell me now, what are you smoking on at the moment?
1: Uh, lots of rainbow, just lots of lots of rainbow. I had some rainbow hybrids as well, but nothing really beats rainbow. So I just don't get tired of her, or haven't yet.
0: So you just smoking the pure?
1: Yeah, the rainbow SSOG. I've had a little bit of the Skittles by rainbow as well lately. And it's been super good, but it's hard. The Rainbow SS just has that dankness to it, and I just can't get enough of that chocolatey rankness.
0: All right. Well, I mean, we've got a plethora of questions to ask on that, but we'll put that aside for the moment, jump back to the start. What was, in fact, your first experience with cannabis?
1: Oh, I was born into it. Like, my first memory in life was uh, being on the boat. I I couldn't have been more than, like, two or three in my own. I was up on the lake with my uncle and everywhere we went with my dad, and my uncle it smelled like skunk. So I really didn't know why. We always smelled skunks, always smelled skunks. And then as I got older and realized it was the cannabis that always made it smell like skunk. That you know, it was kind of a just like a, a part of life with with me growing up. I was just always around cannabis.
0: And so I got this kind of theory that the cannabis you're exposed to when you're early on can often be some of the stuff which is kind of the most impacting on you do you find that to be the case i mean if we look at your work the you know there doesn't seem to be any apparent skunky stuff in it was it just a memory or is it kind of imprinted on you in the way i described
1: no um i chased the skunks forever i still have a lot of skunk work and rainbow has so much of the tie in it and uh that was always a big part of it. And the reason why I went down the rainbow journey believe, is because my dad always talked about the chocolate ties, the chocolate ties, the chocolate ties, and then the Acapulco gold, which hopefully I work with down the down the line. Um, so he always told me about like in the 70s, they would get these, these sticks the, that tasted like chocolate. And uh, so they would smoke it, taste like chocolate. And it was always something I was all like, wait, weed that tastes like chocolate you know as a kid and i'm a candy junkie still to this day uh, i love making candy i don't eat store-bought candy i make candy and just so i can get rid of that craving so that's why i started the rainbow really was on that that that's it the the ties
0: wow okay so what was when you were younger and you first started smoking do you have any idea of what were some of the strains you were actually first exposed to when you were smoking and were they more indica or sativa stuff?
1: You know, it really depends. There was two different types. Um, one during the harvests in Humboldt, all the outdoor that was going around. Um, most of it was just called like green bud or kind, but we did get things like Northern lights and we did get a lot of Calio. Um, my dad had a lot of Calio around and then, um, there was a lot of uh, south american type strains that my dad had in seed form so they grew a lot of that um but believe it or not a lot of the stuff and the because we had dry seasons around here where the outdoor growers were out of cannabis so we had a lot of commercial flour coming up from mexico and um so we smoked a lot of commercial flour to me a lot of it was A lot of it was the orange influences. So it was what now we know as, you know, Calio or those kind of strains. There was so much of this lime green, smelled like straight orange trees. And uh, that was truly one of my favorites. And that's why you'll see in a lot of my other early work, there was a lot of orange influences in there because it reminded me of, you know, 13, 14-year-olds. Pulling apart these bricks and smelling that orange juice just hitting you in the face.
0: That's really interesting because this is possibly the first time we've ever heard someone express the sentiment that you know they they had some really nice kind of brickweed sent in essentially. Um, the interesting thing about Calio is I was chatting about this the other day to Adam Dunn it's, it's one of those ones which is really the, the defining example of like how things come in waves of popularity, you know, like it used to be big it fell off a bit, then we had the Tangier resurgence, I don't know if you'd say it's fallen off, but you know, it's, it's not at the peak anymore do you foresee it coming back soon and more importantly, as you alluded do you think that those orange vibes do trace directly back to like the Mexican land races specifically?
1: I personally I'm gonna start with the last part first. I personally think that it does come from from the Mexican strains. I, I was importing tons of kilos of cannabis in the 70s and 80s and so much of it was orange smelling, flavoring cannabis. He um, told me tons of stories about it and I, so like California and Mexico were together, you know it's just it's one thing. so if it was grown in Mexico, it's grown in California and that's where my belief would lie with the orange is that it was coming up from Cal- uh, Mexico and you know, compressed commercial and the seeds were very few in these bricks and when you found these seeds, you kept them and you grew them. I won't um, say his name, but my dad had a really good friend that he worked with through Mexico that he brought him up and um, he's still with us today. My dad isn't, but his friend isn't. I've had the conversation with him where he said that when he was a kid, that was what was prevalent the area of Mexico was the orange cannabis shrinks It was everything smelled orange. Um, the second part, which was the first part, do I believe it'll come back? You know, I feel when I open a jar of the orange flower and I get that nice zesty orange in the morning, it helps wake me up in the morning. You know, it helps get me going, like a cup of coffee, just the terpene profile of it, the way it activates my brain. So for me, it'll never go away. I'll always grow something with that orange profile. I'll always have something just for my own personal use. Um, I think there's a lot of the guys like that as well who remember it from the 80s and the 90s or even further back. So they'll always have it around. Um, if it gets to the trendy area again, I think so many people worked with tangie and so many people crossed with tangy and grew tangy and that's all you heard was tangy and orange this and orange that i think a lot of the younger guys are burnt out on it so it'll be a while before it hits to where it was five six years ago
0: yeah that's a that's a really good way to express it i kind of think i'm definitely in agreement with you on that one the interesting thing that the the kind of tangy wave did bring to the forefront i think is the idea of Terps and maybe kind of the more underlying argument of possibly Terps being more important than potency. I mean, for me, tangy was one of those ones where it often both from me and from people I know cop criticism in regards to the potency, but you know, it got compliments in regards to the terpenes. So like, do you feel that's kind of a representative of the scene and the way breeding is occurring in general at the moment?
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, what was it four or five years ago everything even more recently but i'm going to say that time where people were showing off these huge numbers and their what they were breed or what they were being tested at and all these massive 30 percent 32 percent well somebody was always one up and somebody or breeders using profile the terpene profile and not just like oh look it's fruity it's orange but like i mean or it's grapey or like Purple Punch for instance I mean how many people are working with Purple Punch right now and everybody has the same chief complaint it doesn't get you there it doesn't have that punch that it should just be called purple or they they talk down about it but the flavor of it is so good it really is and how long have people been smoking cigars just to have the flavor they don't inhale a cigar they just smoke it just to taste it and um, so I always think that we will have that. I always think that now that people really have isolated terpenes in the certain concentrates and oils and things like that. Now I think it's going to get grow even further because of that. Like, so let's say you can isolate the the one from this strain, but you can add it to this concentrate to make this type of sauce. That's where so many people are going. Um, you go walk around the shows. How many shows do you go to now, or tables do you go to, or booths where you see like amazing flower? They're not as often where you see concentrate everywhere, and that terpene profile is what's selling those concentrates. So I do, I, I really do think that the terpenes, the smells, the flavors, and the taste will—that's where most breeders are at right now.
0: Yeah. So. Last little question I wanted to ask about the orange slash, how should I say tangy terpenes for the moment? There's been some rumors that the uh, tangy may not be the genetics that it says it is. Have you heard anything about that? Would you shed any light?
1: I've heard a ton of people say, um, I truly don't know what they claim that Tangi is. I, I don't. I it wasn't something I was super fired up about. Um, I always had Calio. I've had Calio since one of my first moms. Um, so when the Tangy came out and people were smelling it and showing it and saying, Hey, check this out. I was all, Oh, that's kind of like what I've been growing for all these years. So I love that strain. Like I love it. And they were all like, well, it's called Tangy. And I'm all well, Tangy. That's confusing to me. Like what is Tangy? Um, I believe they say it's like a skunk, an orange skunk, something like that. Um yeah.
0: but cross to calio. Okay, so
1: they say it's a skunk cross to calio is is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. So I could imagine it being a calio cross. My only thing with it is is it has a chemically orange. Now, I know calio. I can I can smell calio, I can taste calio. I can, I can do all that. Now, could a skunk change that in the in the gene pool? Sure, sure it could. But to me, like there was a, what's his name? The breeder who did the Agent Orange. So Sup? I personally, there you go. I personally think that the Tangi would be more of the Agent Orange style of terpenes because I've smelled that as well. And of course, they're all going to come from the same gene pool, but I don't know. To me, the tangy has more of that chemical orange where Calio has a more of a sweet, mundane orange juicy smell.
0: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So jumping back to kind of the earlier days, what was it that initially inspired you to breed? Was it something that happened or was it another breeder? Or what, what got the ball rolling for you?
1: I wanted to make strings with me. Honestly, um, when I started, I've been doing it. When was one of my first projects? My first, Some of my first projects, I was trying to recreate uh, big Korean skunk, things like that, um, the old Asian lines. So I was getting a bunch of those kind of lines, and I was working with them and um, stuff. So I was trying to make the old, like, 70s-style in seed form, you know, so I could enjoy it with my dad and stuff like that. And um, I was growing a ton of, like, mexican seeds in the early 90s and things like that for him and he'd be able to come over to the house and like see my little i wouldn't even call them little bushes my monster like 10 foot wide bushes and things and be able to pick flowers off because he'd literally come over chop them off fresh take them home and try and cure them himself because i just didn't do it right (laughs) so our styles are different i let i leave leaves on so everything gets chopped with all the leaves on Get it gets trimmed later. He trimmed everything off when it was still wet and hung it that way, but that's beyond the point. So that was really what it was is that I liked cannabis and I didn't want to try to buy a clone from somebody so they knew I was growing, you know, because it wasn't always legal to grow. These giant grows I was doing were not medical grows. These were in the middle of manzanita trees in buckets or on the side of mountains where I was falling in with rattlesnakes and climbing up on my gut and trying to find water to take up to these mountains. And so that was really the reason why I started to do the breeding was because I wanted to create stuff where nobody else knew I was still growing. I wanted to have my own seeds and be sufficient on my own merit and not try to find clones because there were clones at the time. Um, they just weren't amazing. Going back, I wish I still had some of those clones. I mean, I remember when Romulan first came around and I passed on it and I still kick myself in the ass every day for passing on that cut.
0: Yeah, Romulan's one of the interesting ones. It's almost had a resurgence in popularity. The thing which I find most interesting about Romulan is as far as I can tell, seems to be the oldest clone that there is, so to speak. Like, It's popped in 69 as far as we can tell. Um, have you heard of anything older than that? Seems like it might be the one. I'm
1: confused on Romulan because I was under the impression it was named after the Star Trek generation, the Romulans. So when people tell me that it was created that long ago and named after Star Trek, it blows my mind. So that part always confuses me. Um, but yeah, I don't really think a lot of the old breeders were naming stuff like I had an issue even naming stuff like where it would just be all, I never put a name on it. Um, so I think that's why it's harder to date the cannabis because there wasn't a name. Things weren't passed freely. Everything was kept under lock and key. Um, so dating things is truly, truly hard. Um, everything is hearsay or somebody else's you know, word of mouth. And it's a conversation I, I just don't like to have um, because people like to take credit for things when maybe that was around before they, you know, took credit for it, or maybe it wasn't, or maybe they did create it. And if I say something and somebody takes offense to what I'm saying, it causes a big drama. So I just let people say what they want to say and claim what they want to claim.
0: Yeah, I can, I can certainly understand that. So, I mean, I'm not sure about that Romulan one myself. Like, I, it comes from Romulan Joe, and I know that he adopted that persona after, you know, maybe this is controversial, but after he was had the Mendo Joe persona. So, you know, if I had to guess, he was Mendo Joe and had the cut before he was Romulan Joe. So, he mustn't have been calling it Romulan back there. But, yeah, I, I think you're right. Like, that reference of the word Romulan doesn't really seem to be around before Star Trek. So, yeah, interesting one. With that being said, though... Excluding Romulan, seeing as maybe it's not. um Well, I mean, I think that clone's pretty old. But regardless, what do you know is to be, or what do you think at least is the oldest clone that you're aware of?
1: The oldest actual cut,
0: like yeah, like I mean, obviously it's it's a cut of a cut of a cut. But like you know, it's still the same plan as the original one.
1: So some of my, the, so let me let me think of this real quick. Um, it's funny because some of the original clones I was seeing were literally called Kind Bud or Green Bud or Orange Bud, which was later known as Callio. Um, those were the ones that I remember seeing when I was young. Um, and then you had your, your South American strains or your gold strains and things like that. And once again, I seen these when I was a kid, but they never had a name. It was called, oh, that's that, the kind bud, or that's the San Diego bud, or that is the green, or that is the orange, or that's that Colombian that we have. Uh, and then um, the other one was uh, the Micho Khan. I think, honestly, one of the oldest ones I remember was just the Micho Khan um, because that's what was getting brought over in abundance in the brig. Um other than that i've heard of things you know i things but i didn't see them i wasn't there i was born in 1977 i have memories you know into the 80s and those are the ones i'll speak on
0: yeah okay so i think something which has been really interesting to me and probably to many a lot of other people as well is the idea of what do you think it was, at least, that in your mind, that caused you to take such a kind of a different approach to your brother in regards to breeding? Because, I mean, he put it, I think, pretty uh, eloquently himself. Like, you know, he's got a very kind of small pool that he sticks with and, and you cover everything else. And I was like, that's that's a good way of putting it, you know. Like, how did it end up to be that way?
1: I, you know, okay, so... Uh, Mad really worked the, the same pool. He was really dedicated to uh, Urkel and the Lavender and the SCDC. Those were his babies, and he works them still to this day. And I'm actually happy that he, he's adding a little bit of my work to the pool um, because my, my work is solid. His work is amazing, and I think they'll play really, really well together. Um, I think a lot of my difference with it was was that i didn't want to just do the same thing um i had a lot of different versions of plants at my disposal like he had um, his purples i was really working the like the micho con at the time or these ties at the time or Callio. those were the ones but also i was all over the world um i was traveling everywhere um I was working tons, tons, tons in the outdoors. And I was seeing a lot more of what I could push plants to yield um, for, uh, you know, reasons. Lots of flower, bigger yields, bigger plants, those kinds of things for outdoor growing was really, really what I was looking for. Um, and plus, I would read for myself what I liked, what I, um, I really liked. The ties. Um, the chocolate cherry, like I was saying, was way too strong for me. Uh, if I worked it, settled it down a little bit, I could make it very beneficial for me. I just take away that peak of the high, but keep all the parts that made you smile and made you, made you happy. And um, so I think we, we just really had different visions on what we wanted to do I think he really really wanted to isolate and really really wanted to make this perfect purple line which he's made a ton of them and I wanted to spread out make a bunch of different stuff and see what I like the most and uh, things along that nature.
0: So do you kind of limit yourself in any way in the sense that he does in regards to maybe genetics? Like, is there anything you don't want to use or anything you feel you you definitely have to use type thing or is it just kind of you don't limit yourself like that?
1: I definitely like using or starting from older genetics. I don't really like the whole pop a pack of seeds, find a male and make work from it. Um, So I really, really like... My chocolate cherry because it is a chocolate line. Is a cherry time. really like the red line because it is my baby. I really like the rainbow because I've worked all these lines to get there. So I am going to start isolating myself for a while, pushing the rainbow line, pushing the red vine line, and bringing the chocolate cherry back. But will I ever just like say these are the only things I'm going to work? No. Um, I find so much beauty and so many of the that I don't think I could ever just isolate myself to a specific strain and just do those ones. I like too many plants. I can see, like I was saying earlier, I can see commercial brick flowers and I can find things in it that I, I think are cool or nice or I can find some guy who's never grown before is outdoor and be all like, oh man, it has like this certain smell or oh, I like a structure or... Hey, it didn't have bugs attack it, you know, just stuff like that. So, I would never uh, just isolate myself down to strains. I like to, I like to fiddle. I'm uh, like OCD-ish, so I really am all over the place at times.
0: So the chocolate tie, uh, sorry, the what was it? The uh, cherry chocolate tie that's come up a few times so far. Do you want to give us the backstory on it? Like, uh, what is it? I think it's pretty interesting.
1: Um, it's the Rev's cherry tie. Um, I absolutely loved it. There's tons of information out there on the, the Rev's cherry tie. And it was a chocolate tie female that I I came across that I just had to do something with. It was the only plant that I had personally seen that tasted like milk chocolate. Like it truly tasted like chocolate, not like hints of chocolate. It tasted like actual chocolate. Um, so when I had it and then I had, uh, Rev's cherry tie, which he just sent me a, sent us a ton more beans of, so I can further the work with it. Uh, it just worked so well together and it's like tie on tie on tie. So I had to, I, it was like something I had to do to bring myself like a tie to work, tie seeds to pop and to go through, to find these perfect tie strings.
0: So, what was the process of creating Rainbow like for people who aren't aware? The lineage is it's that uh, tie you just mentioned crossed to the O G K B, and then you got that hybrid and crossed that to the T K. How did this whole process take place? You know, was it over a few years? Was each step just obvious? Like, you know, explain the genesis of it for us.
1: Okay, I started the chocolate cherry. Uh, it was before my daughter was born. My time, my time frames are never great, so we'll say between. She'll be eight now, so it's over eight years ago. And uh, so that's when I started with the chocolate cherry. And after I made chocolate cherry, I actually was going through it and finding females. I wasn't really looking for a, a male. And uh, then I started working with my brother had given me these lavender cross seeds. And I was going through a ton of uh, colon issues, uh, the cancer in my colon and other random things. So the lavender was really, really helping me. So I started working with that boy. And my chocolate cherry uh, mills were just put on the back burner. And um, I started working with uh, the lavender and Tripoli Wicked. And I hit the chocolate cherry with it and I hit a towel with it and things along that line. But I ended up going back to the chocolate cherry and finding a mill that was really Thai dominant and had that cherry smell instead of the chocolate smell it actually had a cherry smell in the stem rub um the mom tasted like chocolates and cherries that's why i call it that it tastes like chocolates and cherries which was amazing Um, i fell from that and hit triangle i became obsessed with triangle as an og it was just like the perfect og for me it grew great i got it to yield it was super potent for me it always helped me at the end of the night to come out of my thoughts and bring me down because I used to be really high-strung, still high-strung, but I used to be really, really high-strung. So when I made that cross, the triangle female with the chocolate cherry male, um, one of the first seeds I actually popped came out of a plant that smelled like licorice. It smelled like candy, like red vine candy. And um, I was uh, making some calls, and I was like, I swear it smells just like red vine candy. You have to try it. And I was shown to a couple of my my really close friends locally and they were like dude it really smells and tastes like red vine candy so i was like i'll just call it red vine kush and that name stuck with it forever um so when i didn't ever um, so when i decided to work with a mill out of the red vine seeds the best way for me to say it was it's a red vine mel which red vine was really in my eyes that single female that i had found because it smelled just like the candy but how else could i really relay that message to people that it was this by this by this instead i was just all it's my red vine mail and i took the red vine mail to the ogkb and the very first seed i popped was what ended up becoming known as rainbow ssog because my daughter named it and she was huge in my little ponies and that's how all that whole thing snowballed into it Uh, all the ponies and on the seed packaging and all the names and everything like that was really uh at the time of like five-year-old uh kids idea
0: so yeah yeah, awesome! You banged out a few answers for me there. I was gonna ask for the people wondering why all your strains are named after My Little Pony. <laughs> <There you laughs> go. Um, so the other thing I wanted to ask is, you use the TK and you kind of set it in there. You know, you really liked it. Do you think it's the best of all the OGs? And more importantly, do you think it's the original, or is something else the original in your mind?
1: The TK for me, I I truly believe that so much California. Flowers were going back east and things like that, that a lot of seeds were being popped from bag seeds. And whether it came from bag seeds or not, it's beyond me. Uh, but I had OGs like TK in California, and that's why I loved it. It, it reminded me so much of these green strains that we were getting um, out of San Diego. Then we had a strain that we called uh, San Diego uh, think it was san diego something i can't remember the name of it um it was it was just referred to as that really good pot san diego and um so that's i could never acquire that it was forever before i got a cut back of what we called the san diego cut and now it was the san diego og later and it reminds me so much of tk well i ended up getting tk reminded me completely of the san diego plant and now I have the San Diego plant, and they are a lot alike. They have some unique differences, uh, but they're very, very small, unique differences, and they could be because they've been in completely two different environments for so long, but they've just evolved over time. And that's why I was obsessed with the TK for so long, because I had this flower, and it was coming through quite often, and I was smoking on it for like a year straight, and I could never get a cut of it. But when I seen TK, I was like, holy shit that reminds me spot on of the San Diego flower
0: yeah okay so yeah it's hitting back home from when you were younger exactly so for people who have kind of taken a glance at uh, the current range most notably within the rainbow offering we can see that a lot of the mothers you've chosen to pair with it outside of some of your own creations and things like the do-si-do gelato skittles things like that do you think that rainbow itself pairs well with these other kind of I uh, just broadly speaking i guess you'd say that like, you know like the dessert type of strains do you think it pairs well with that like going like keeping sweet cookie things to sweet cookie things or what do you think it crosses really well to yourself
1: the the mail from that line that i chose is extremely dominant like everything was looking rainbow like and that chocolate smell and flavor is really pushing into everything even the skittles like, it's hard to find a plant in that cross that smells like Skittles. Everything is like chocolate funk, chocolate funk, 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 chocolate funk. Um, so I tend to hit anything with the rainbow mail that I chose, and it's going to push what I want. I it, It's true. So it's kind of like downplaying some of my crosses um, that I'm saying that the male will overpower everything but with each female there are some variances whether it's structure or yields or you will find different smells with different females um and i ran a lot of these plants and these are some of the ones i actually really liked um the skittles one i'm surprised that it has been so good i was surprised when i first ran them all outdoors i usually do all my testing my initial testing and in, outdoors in large groups. Um, That way I can do a mass test under pretty good conditions because we have fluctuations here where I live. I mean, it gets up to 112, 115 uh, Fahrenheit and it can bottom down into the 40s at night. So it would put them through a lot of stress. So when I was going through my initial testing and I ran uh, 20-ish of everything and uh, the uh, Skittles were coming out Absolutely phenomenal. So there was no way I couldn't produce or put them out. The the Mendo Breath to me was more along the lines of grabbing the OGKB from it and the OGKB from Rainbow and seeing what I could do on that end. And then the same with the Dosi though. It has the OGKB. Rainbow has the OGKB, and I wanted to see what those two would play together. Plus, I hit OGKB with Rainbow as well. So you can kind of see what I was trying to do with that grouping to see where I could go later down the line is was like will i take that rainbow by do back to a Dosido or back to the rainbow with mills if i ever chose to um the red line, easy one that was sort of like back crossing the red line for me i did the chocolate cherry as well um i never really that one. That one's really interesting um because it's so tie dominant it's not for most growers um I'm getting plants that were taken, you know, four months to to finish, and a lot of people wow. don't really care for that. Yeah, um, and then I did some with the uh, with the the gold strain, the Acapulco Gold. I I can't release that one because the person who gave me that cut asked me not to release it, and that's I won't. And I did a Panama uh, cross with it that I won't release because once again, the same person who gave me the gold cut asked me, told me I could work with it, but asked me not to release them because um, they're his babies and he's an older guy and he, he'll he pass them on to me when he's ready uh, to do, do what I what I really would like to do and let people have some real old school genetics. Um, but yeah, I just think a lot of those crosses really were that that's what the market was hungry for. They like those plants, they like the gelatos and they like the cookies and those things. But, so I wanted to give people what they wanted, but I wanted to do it with the rainbow because the rainbow really is a unique plant and it kind of overtakes everything. So you can still have your name with the gelato, but it'll have my, my footprint, my stamp on there with the rainbow pushing it to a different level.
0: Yeah. Good answer. So just given your, uh, you know, experience and history with all of these various cuts we've just kind of mentioned out of all the kind of dessert cuts, what's your favorite one? And more importantly, what's the most overrated one?
1: right now i got a cup of acai, and surprisingly it is special and unique the flavor the terpene profile is this raspberry blueberry creamy thing i it's i've just barely grown it for the first time and i got to say i'm impressed like i haven't been impressed with any of the cookies truly the thing is crazy like i was all whoa whoever made this they they took the flavor town to a different level. Uh, um, I also really like animal cookies because it breeds well. Like I I don't know why. My uncle, I have an uncle who's on hospice right now. And I would grow animal cookies a lot. And it's my dad's brother. And um, I would grow animal cookies specifically for him. He called them animal crackers. And he would send my aunt over to the house and be all, he called me Bubba. That's why I use Bubba all the time. I've been called Bubba my whole life from him. And he would tell me, ask Bubba if he got any more of uh, those Girl Scout animal crackers, like the animal crackers, the cookies. The, he would just stumble on the words, what the name was. It was something new every time. So he called it these names, something different every time. But he absolutely loved it. Out of every strain, I grew. He never, he hasn't got to smoke Rainbow because he's been sick for a few years. Uh, and um, he's had some of the Rainbow Concentrates. Rainbow and I make a lot of rosin and I turn it into coconut oil so I can give it to him that way. Um, but for all the plants that I, he had, like something about the animal cookies was crazy for him that he loves. So that one's really special to me the past few years. Now, the one that's the most overrated, um, ew, that, the, there's so many gelato cuts um, floating around And I went through probably seven or eight that were terrible. That were, I mean, I don't even know why people would have grown them and then mothered them and then kept them in clone form to pass them out. They were, they weren't, they shouldn't have never even been kept or grown. Um, So those ones were pretty brutal. Some of the gelatos are just pretty brutal. The one I found at least looks like OGKB. So it doesn't have the gelato nose that everyone talks about. But I would say that would probably be the one that's, eh. Not the best.
0: What was the name of the the first strain you said? The raspberry and blueberry one.
1: Oh, asai.
0: Oh, okay, no, we we did get the name. I just was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> Girl,
1: what is he speaking? <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I thought the audio cut out. I was like, he he said something, but all I heard was like a and e or something.
1: <laughs> I I might be pronouncing this wrong. It's a c a i and it i i realize that it's a berry from um i want to say like the south america um i know they have a drink flavored i think they're asai acai something along yeah. those lines
0: yeah i've heard of that one my bad there we go okay cool okay that yeah i think i may have even seen a photo or two or just something along those lines on instagram of that one it seems like that's uh might Those guys from compound genetics or whatever might be playing with that, I think. Who knows? Pinkie Pie is collab between you and Matt, which I thought kind of flew under the radar a bit as far as I could tell. I don't know. Um, but what was interesting was that it's it's kind of like it's the Cookie Berry Diesel across to the rainbow. Obviously, probably going to be really good. But the question for me was, do you plan to do any more collabs?
1: Yeah, we we do. I met up with him today. Um, He's he's an amazing guy. But I met up with him today, and we talked a ton, a ton, a ton ton about what we're doing. Um, We are doing this whole – this wouldn't be considered like what most people would consider a collab, but we're working this huge bubblegum line thing right now, um, and we're trying to really, really isolate those terpenes make sure the seeds taste like it so like if you get a pack of the bubble gum seeds you're going to get pink bubble gum not oh it tastes sweet but that's that's not really a, a collab per se um i'm getting his uh riot berry og and we're we're doing it with a rainbow and that one's going to be really rad and then he did some work with chocolate and um so we're gonna do my chocolate uh chocolate rainbow mail with, uh, his chocolate females, but then he gave me his chocolate tie male and we're going to take that to my chocolate, super chocolate rainbow female. Um, so those are some of the collabs that we spoke of today. And we have a few other things that, uh, it was funny when we were talking, he was all like, hey, you know what, let's try not to say these out to people yet. Um, for, for reasons that, that he has. And I was all, I, you know, so I, I I'm good with that.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> um. So, I guess, you know, it's interesting, a lot of our fans, they love the polarizing nature of Matt. How did you first meet him and how did you kind of, cause I think you even said it to me in person, you kind of attribute a bit of the success of Rainbow to in terms of like Matt helping you to kind of, um, well, how shall we say it? like promote it to the public a bit more because there's a lot of stuff which goes under the radar because, you know, the public just don't know about it. How did how'd you meet Matt and how did that all come about?
1: It, it's actually funny. I have a friend over in uh, San Luis, and he had Matt's 26 cookies cut. It's like so 28 or 26. I forget this every damn time. Um, but anyways, he had this cut of Matt's, and he was look, he was looking to reacquire his, his cookies cut. And a friend of mine had it. So I had reached out to Matt and told him, hey, my buddy has that cookies that you were looking for. He told me he was going to get it to you. I'm going to be heading down your way if you want to meet up. Well, he ended up getting it back before that. Um, But we just started to conversate, text message, you know. And then pretty much we talked, started talking every day. And then we started talking about genetics. And then I would show him this vast array of crazy shit I've made over the years. And he showed me all the shit he'd been making over the years. And He'd be like, "Hey, how come you don't sell seeds? You have amazing skill. You have amazing growing skill. How come you don't sell seeds?" And I was like, "I just, I don't like. It's never been something I wanted to do. I made these for myself. I made these to find things for me." And he was all, "But people, it wasn't really about money." And I'll, I'll explain this in a second. It was never about money for Matt. He was all, "People would want to see these. People want. It. People would love to see this. People want to see your work." And he, after, he went over two years. You can ask him. He asked me for over two years to sell seats. And, and I finally agreed with the rainbow. The rainbow was so special. I was like, dude, I just remember telling him one day, I was like, man, I really think that maybe we should put it out there. People are getting to smoke it, and they're all, this is like 1990s on, you know, on big, big, big things. Like, it's all, this reminds me of something. This is so nostalgic for me. It's like they couldn't put their finger on it so that was the what i was hearing so i talked to him he he, he talked me into it he was all like let me put these let me sell these seats for you and let me help you with this and I was okay and he was all i don't want any money he didn't want a dollar he didn't take a dollar nothing he was all i'll put them on my website we'll put them up i'm going to talk about it because i gave him they helped him so much, and they helped his uh, his significant others so much with their anxieties and their 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 feelings that they were having. And she um, will have some medical issues, and they, they helped her with those things. And that's why I was like, I made this for myself because of my own health issues. So that's really how our friendship started. It was over talking about genetics and a cookies clone that he was – trying to reacquire that's truly it
0: that's an awesome story so something you just touched on which i'd love to delve more into is kind of the aspect of medicinal value within breeding is this something which to you is just like it's kind of cool if it's there but it's not a specific goal or are you always kind of medically minded in that regard
1: as far as a breeder i'm always going to breed for myself first in my real passion projects they really are pushing the medical parts. I remember being on... I didn't go to forums. Uh, Mad was always trying to get me to go on forums. And I was like, man, I'm always out in the field. I don't really have time for the forums. I'm always growing. I'm always growing. I'd go on there a few times, and I would explain to people about how this strain helped with this, or I couldn't live without this strain, and people would think it was some sort of joke. They're all, oh, yeah, was it miracle weed? And I was like, oh, you called it weed, so... You probably don't really love the plant like I do. Um, So I would push that medical benefit as far as I possibly can. And it goes back to the, the chocolate cherry making me feel like I was on the mushrooms. Yeah, I didn't like that feeling, but I could feel the other parts of it and how important they would be to help relax my body and help calm me. And I get a lot of pain sometimes, and I need things that are extremely strong. And I don't like to be extremely medicated or, or high. And so I have to find that that area, that gray area where my head is okay, but my body's completely blown out, where it's just like relaxed beyond all belief. So yes, the, the medical part is priority A1 for me, but I love breeding. You know? I love making crosses with genetics uh, for other people as well. So. If there's some strains that I really want to work with, whether they have any kind of benefit or not, I would work with them if I felt like these two plants together would make magic. So I would still work with things regardless of whether they're medical or not. But I personally, for my own breeding, I want them to have certain aspects
0: so, recently, we saw the uh, Rainbow SSOGs F2s go to auction. Obviously, kind of one of your hallmark strains at this point. you got to be pretty stoked that, you know, it cracked like the 2K mark because, you know, I mean, the proof's in the pudding, right? The demand's there. How do you feel, though, about the fact that, in some ways, you, it could be the next Starfighter, you know? Like, do you... How would you feel if someone starts a company off that pack type of thing?
1: I... There was a, a battle. It was a battle that I had before I even released the F two. Um, it was a battle I had on all my crosses. Like, well, what if somebody took my work? And what if somebody made this? Or what if they made that? Well, I should be really proud if somebody finds something so special that they could get that type of a plant out of and make an entire company and thrive with it. And make a living for them and their family. How special should I feel? I mean, if something I did affected somebody else that affects their family, that affects somebody else, that would feel amazing. I would have zero jealousy, zero anything. So, of course, I hope the person who bought the F2s find something absolutely stunning. I hope they do some amazing stuff with it. Um, there was a purpose why I auctioned that. I had somebody who needed something so I auctioned that off. I did two auctions, and I gave them um, half of everything so they could uh, pay some pay some bills. Yeah. And so I thought, in my mind, those two crosses that I auctioned were the ones that would bring in the most. And Lord, that thing brought like two thousand dollars. I was I, I was tickled. I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. So it was it was really 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 awesome. I was proud
0: for sure for sure i mean testament to the quality of the work right
1: yeah yeah i put a lot of
0: time
1: rainbow and i'm proud to see that people will see it and and truly put their faith behind my work
0: so on a kind of you know that vein what is the next kind of strain you want to incorporate into a breeding pool that you haven't done so And, and i guess as an extension of that what do you think will be the next big thing to kind of take the scene
1: so the, my next work is uh, I'm doing rainbow again, but I'm going, to, I'm going to go into a little different direction with it. Um, I'm going to isolate the chocolate phenols and the chocolate male, and I'm going to push the chocolate terpenes into seed form in rainbow F2 chocolate phenol with the, with the male. So I'm going to make some F2s so of that rainbow line that's super chocolate. And then I'm gonna do the f three with uh with the uh, the original rainbow and then um some more back crossing so that's where I'm headed right now on my little personal project that's that's building um, I don't know the scene where it's gonna go. I keep thinking that we're gonna leave the cookie uh, and um that people will stop working with it and there'll be something else but I think how deep that plant got into modern genetics I don't know if we could ever truly get away from it everything has that, that look to it now and everything has either a cookie name or a dessert name or something along those lines so it would be like erasing our modern history it just I don't think it's going to happen um, I'm hoping that guys start resetting start looking at it different and it comes down to the breeders to start working with some old hazes and trying to find some old skunks and not the lice don't like say that you're working with a haze or a skunk and have it be some weird indica looking like really really do your work pop seeds find that special plant and, and go from there and work it because it would be nice to have that old school feel again but you know you can put a modern twist on it and everything like that but I'm hoping I'm seeing it so much right now. Uh, guys claiming that they're you know using a 1960 skunk or uh, these all these hazes, uh, uh, Colombian blacks and things along that line, and it's hard for me to believe um, because I haven't seen those strains in a very very long time, and I've never seen a skunk from the 60s. Um, but I'm hoping that there are some of those treasure troves to still be opened and people can still come out. I've been meeting some, some people lately. I've been helping a lot of uh, older people. I mean, Friday night before I took my wife out to dinner, I stopped at a Vietnam vet's house and gave him some medicine to so he could get through the night. He me up and said he didn't have anything, and he was close, it's a family friend, so I drove him over a bunch of stuff, and he has seeds from when he went to Vietnam, and he's gone offered me these seeds and I have no clue what they are but to have that offer there there is other seeds out there I've been trying to pop some of my father's old Micho Khan that I found in the envelope from when he was in prison um with his little prisoner ID and his return address and everything and these seeds were in there yeah and I found them in my garage I guess they followed us through like three moves and I found them and I've tried to pop there was 27 28 and i have failed miserably over and over so the last six i've kept and i'm hoping that one day somebody can extract some dna out of it or something so i can see these plants so that's where i hope our industry goes
0: okay and so would you ever consider doing what might be considered kind of like a consumer demand strain like for example if if there was enough demand for you to do like a Gorilla Glue Rainbow Hybrid would you do it to meet that demand or is it very much like uh, you have to want the cross to happen on a personal note
1: you know I will meet the demand I, I truly will I, I did a lot of those in the last crosses like I was saying so many people wanted gelato I truly didn't want to work with the gelato I'm happy I did. It came out pure chocolate and coffee. Um, I actually did a Gorilla Glue cross with Rainbow, but I did it for a local friend, and um, I gifted him a lot of those seeds. I didn't release those seeds, though. Um, I actually have a ton of them that I didn't release that other people locally or friends from here or there asked for. I made the crosses for them specifically and gifted them some. So I'm open to make anything as long as I don't hate the plant like or something hates too strong of a word I apologize I, I shouldn't use that as long as I don't dislike the plant or as long as the plant doesn't have some sort of reputation or as long as a plant doesn't have like don't share this plant with anybody and don't do this with the plant and those kinds of plants I I try to steer clear from because I don't want to rub anybody wrong by working with something that I shouldn't have worked with or things along that nature, but I am willing to work with anything I see that I find has potential or specialness or a a uniqueness.
0: Yeah, for sure. So what do you think the next source of uniqueness will come from and the reason why i ask this is because increasingly i see this kind of trend where some of the old school genetics that are widely regarded as really unique you know the colombians the ties things like that are being co- are being incorporated into the modern genetics and the perfect example is both the rainbow ss which has obviously got some tie or even if you look at another trending strain at the moment mac by capulator which has the landrace colombian in it both of these strains were... I mean, just as a side note, that I tried both of those at the Emerald Cup and those were the two I actually enjoyed the most and I kind of thought this could be kind of jazzing up the uh, what's regarded as the stale polyhybrid. Do you think that is like a reasonable formula going ahead in the future, like incorporating some of this old school stuff into the modern stuff and trying to, yeah, just um, spice everything up?
1: Yeah. Um. I believe Capulator had corrected himself and said the Mac doesn't have Colombian in it.
0: Oh, bum bum bum!
1: It's an alien orange cookie cross. Um, but what I was alluding to what I was saying earlier, uh, I think we're going to start seeing in this more. We're going to start seeing this come out more. Where guys are finding the older strains and putting them with the newer strains and kind of resetting the plant. You still get. Some of the before it was watered down effects, but some of the look and of the new stuff, but maybe it improves the yield because some of these cookies that have rabbit turd buds and you're getting a pound a light or something, like people just don't want to do that people the electricity costs are skyrocketing and production costs are skyrocketing, so you do need to get some yield and looking back at older strains they yielded really well they were big they were aggressive they weren't susceptible to pm and the bugs didn't destroy them like they do now and things along that nature but no i where mac i could be speaking wrong on mac um but like it was said that it had Colombian in it rainbow is has tie in it. and you're seeing a few other things that are people the the good breeders or the the breeders i shouldn't even say good breeders breeders uh, are saying like oh I'm working with this older IBO or I'm working with this land race type or I'm working with these genetics that are from Thailand or from South America. I would love to see a breeder pull the Micho Khan back out and to work with that or pull the old golden strings out and work with that. They were absolutely flawless and that's why it was important for me to try to get these Micho Khans to to come to life, to rejuvenate, but they went through so much, it's going to be hard. Um, Some of them look like uh, uh, fossilized, like they're actually glass on the inside, so it's going to be rough. Uh, But that's, I I do, I, I truly think that that's where we're going to be headed because if you don't go and pull some of the old stuff back into it, everything's going to become like our table apples that have no flavor and they're just shiny. It's pretty shiny. Flavorless or flavorless fruit.
0: Yeah, okay. That's that's cool to know about the Mac thing. I mean, I wonder if he's gonna change the name to mock. <laughs> no, just kidding. But a a question our listeners love for me to ask is when you are popping these old school seeds, what are some of your tips to help getting them to work?
1: <coughs> um so I don't go straight to the, the chemicals. I'll try to do a scuffing first. Um uh, these new seed crackers are Freaking awesome. They have a little screw on them and it slowly tightens down on the seed till it just sort of starts to open the shell. Um, I also like to put them in high humidity if they've been dry so that, that way hopefully they can pull in some more of the moisture. I personally put them through a cold cycle. I'll either put them in the fridge or the freezer until they fully dorm. I'll bring them out and then act like spring is here. I try to fool them as best as I can. In worst case scenario, I'll use the GA3 and uh, take deal with the stretch and the craziness to just try to get it to come back to life.
0: And so... I've actually only ever used the GA3 once in an attempt to get some old Tom Hill stock to pop. Unfortunately, it didn't really work out for me, but I went into it knowing like what you referenced that the, uh, the plants would be hard to kind of manage at first. When you have done that, what was the experience like growing those plants out? Were they like crazy stretchy and you just had to, you know, take a clone of a clone and then it kind of settled down or was it much less pronounced than that?
1: Um... Everyone that I've actually used it on has been pretty wild. They would fly right out of the gate. They would stretch really, really, really fast. Um, So one way I would do that is I I made these uh, PVC tubes, and I would fill it up with uh, uh, about halfway with dirt, and then I would drop the seedling in there, and I would put an LED right above the tube. And as the seed chased the light and elongated and got long, I would bury it in dirt up the stem because that's what it wanted to do was grow in a very elongated stem so I would just bury it in dirt as it went up and it would sl- eventually slow down to the point where I could top it branch it, take some clones root them and usually the clones were already okay once they got roots and you slowed them down the first generational clone off of that attack plant was it was okay
0: yeah, okay, cool. That's good to know. So, final question on the old seeds. With all of this being said, what's the oldest one you've been able to pop?
1: Oh, man. Um, recently, I popped some Cincy Star from 95. Um, those That was a pretty good feat. They were pretty white um, and pretty beat up. I popped some of my dad's stuff um, at other times that I'm assuming were from the 80s um, maybe early nineties, all commercial stuff. And, um, other than that, I've, I've failed on some of the really old stuff a lot and it's driving me nuts. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking of other ways. I'm hoping that we can get some of these seeds to be, uh, I don't know how they'll do it, but I'm hearing of DNA and pulling out sales from a plant and basically doing that uh, what they're doing those lab clones now but with the DNA from the seed like,
0: yeah that's interesting that stuff I haven't looked into it too much myself but I think it's probably cost prohibitive
1: yeah <laughs> this, these seeds are super important so I've been looking into it because I, I really 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 would like to see one yeah, it, it was, uh, it's, imp- it's special to me you know
0: yeah for sure so when you are popping some seeds, how many do you like to pop at a time, you know, when you're doing a pheno hunt or just maybe even say testing a strain, what, what do you feel is a good number to do?
1: So if I'm pheno hunting for, to, to check for stability, um, I like to do as many as possible. Um, I think I did 200-ish um, last summer. And then followed that with my fall greenhouse, I did another 100. And then the next spring, I did another uh, 50 to 100. And then I grew, grew plenty on the inside of the house as well. So stability, you, you have to see a lot. So you have to see a lot, especially if you make a huge set with 10 or 15 different moms. Um, now, when I'm looking for a male, I like to do less for – I'll do 10 to 15, maybe even 20 seeds. Um, I'll take my females, I'll flower them out. Of course, I take clones off of them. And then I look at the males. And if I don't see anything I like, I'll pop more. If I see one that I like, I'll keep them to the side. And I'll pop another set of the 10, 15, or 20. And I'll find another male from those if I like them. And he goes, and I'll usually do it one more time. And then I'll narrow it down to those three males, and I'll put them through their entire pace. Um, and see which one I like as
0: it goes, yeah, awesome.
1: At a time, I don't like this, yeah, I don't like to see a ton because by the time I've looked at them all, I'm getting irritated, or I feel that maybe I'm looking too fast, or I'm grinding through it. So, I want to see a small scale pick the best, small scale pick the best, small scale pick the best, and then isolate those three that I'm looking for to find that single plant
0: yeah okay so in regards to the male selection you know you just went over a fair bit of it what are some of the things you like to do to help you select males Uh, this is a big one we get asked a lot but you know I think to be honest we've we've had enough guests talk about just you know generic like stem rubs and stuff so maybe let's make it a little more interesting do you like to put your males through the ringer give them like a good stress test and if so what do you do
1: yeah, the first thing I won't well, use is a male that flowers um, I have males that are over 10 years old and uh, that constantly I keep almost every male I've ever used. Um, so that's one of my keys is to keep my males. He can't flower under 24 hours of light. He has to be just like my girls where he can stay in there. And then eventually I take a clone off of him and he gets mulched and the clone becomes the new dad in case I ever want to work with them again. Um, I like to look for structure uh, of the plant. I know everyone says that. Um, so I like to look at the, the the leaf. If I'm looking for a certain phenol that has a narrow leaf, I'll look for that in the, in the male. I'll look for my narrow leaves or things along that. And then I always flower them out. Even if I'm not going to utilize his pollen, I'll flower out my males just so I can see what his male flowers look like. How long it takes him to drop pollen? Um, when does he stop dro- dropping pollen? When does his male flowers die? Uh, the whole, the whole from start to finish, the, his whole life. And um, I'll go from there. I've actually flowered out that I didn't end up using because I didn't like how long it took them to flower and then not drop enough pollen. I've had males that had huge flowers and dropped so little pollen, and I didn't use it. Did it really matter? I don't know because I didn't use them, but it was something I didn't like seeing a mill plant with thousand freaking little flowers and no pollen was coming out. Why? You know was, what's wrong with him? So, those are all things I look for.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good answer. Out of uh, curiosity, what do you think? it correlates to in a male if you've got a male that takes quite a while to drop pollen do you know what that correlates to in regards to like you know that's like a bad sign because it means the offspring will show blah traits or do you think it's just like it's just one of those things in general where you're like look i don't i don't know but just you don't want that it's not good i can tell
1: i actually think it would just show that it would be a slower flowering plant yep so like it would take longer to get going in the flower and probably longer to finish and flower to keep my plants in that Unless I'm working my sativa lines. If I'm working my hybrids, I like to keep them in the 60 to 70 um, day frame. Um, a lot of people don't want to work a hybrid, you know, three months and things like that. So, but that's one thing I, I do notice that I like a plant to come out of the gate, show me what she's going to do, uh, not be finicky throughout, and all those kinds of things. So if I notice that the, the mom isn't finicky at the beginning of her flower, she goes through her stage fast. She gets to her, her flowering stage quickly, and she goes from start to finish without a lot of issues. I can kind of see it from the male. I feed my males the same as well when they're going through flower. I feed them my flowering routine, and if he doesn't like it and he, he is, doesn't like the food and he shows burnt tips or if he takes a lot longer to progress or things like that, it's just it's not a perfect plant for, in my eyes, um, it's not something that I would think would pass on well. Whether I'm right or wrong in that, it's really, really difficult for me to say um, because how do I know what those traits pass along as? Um, but in my, my brain, it tells me, okay, he's slow to start dropping pollen or he's really fast to start dropping pollen. Um, I like a perfect plant, so – I kind of like it to start dropping this pollen, you know, through the whole cycle. He starts building his flowers and his flowers grow and the plant stretches out and it opens up and then pollen starts to come out all around the same time.
0: So, along that same kind of school of thought, what do you think about the distinction? Because this is one I wanted to ask. What do you think about the distinction? Because you reference the, you, you don't want them out to, to flower under 24-hour lights. Totally agree. What about, though, if it gets extremely root-bound? Because I've noticed sometimes males will flower because they're root-bound. Others, they'll just do it under 24-hour light regardless. And I thought, do you want to actually, do you want to make the distinction or not? Because maybe, what I'm kind of getting at is maybe a plant that flowers because it's root-bound is not as detrimental as, say, one that flowers because it's under 24-7. Would you agree with that? Or do you think, like, no, no matter what the reasoning is, if it's flowering under 24-7 in a mother room, like, I'm not really interested.
1: No, no, I, uh, if I didn't do my job and I let him get root bound or cause that stress and he started flowering, that's on me. Um, it's like, I, I can look past it and if I can get him, um, his normal routine is to be in my bucket or his bag and he grows under there perfectly and things along that nature and doesn't flower and goes along. But then this one certain time, he got root-bound and, and flowers and dropped pollen. I can kind of overlook that. Um, I will say this, though. The rainbow mill, he's almost died like four times. This I have clones of it, so um, I'm just saying this. So I have healthy clones at all times of them. But I've let him completely dry out to where he was weeping uh, d- dead, and I'd give him water, and he still didn't flower. I love that boy, because he, he flowers under 12-12. Uh, so there is boy plants that won't flower under stress, there's boy plants that will flower under stress but not in normal conditions, and then there's boy plants that just like dropping pollen no matter what. But if you stress a plant enough you can cause adverse reactions and you gotta kinda look past it I, in certain situations if you really like that male.
0: So how many times have you ever done a project, made the pollination, grown out the seeds? You know, obviously the male was good in your mind. That's why you selected it. And then it just turned out to be a dud for whatever reason. Is that rather uncommon? Like, do you think with proper selection you can avoid that or it's inevitable from time to time?
1: Uh, I haven't really picked too many bad males per se. Uh, now, I've made crosses that sucked. I've made several that just were all men Man, what was I doing putting that thing in there? Um, so I've had crosses that were duds, but I've never, I don't, I can honestly say I've never picked a male that just across the board sucked. I usually only try to work with what I feel is the best of the best, genetics-wise and plant-wise with research and growing out and checking lots of different phenols and stuff. Um, and i am I'm pretty lucky in that aspect where I haven't, put down a duds. I did do a skunk once and um, I went and called them duds because we grew the hell out of it outside but I didn't get a single skunky nose on one plant. Everything was super piney and super dank but nothing got a skunk nose and I was really depressed. Later on I did a project and got the skunk nose to come out but I felt like a failure for not getting the skunk in my first grow.
0: Sorry, what was that cross? I think we lost the audio for a second there.
1: Oh, it was, uh, yeah, it was just an older skunk to um, a skunk number one clone that I was gifted. I had some skunk, supposedly skunk seeds, and I went through them and I found that the roadkill smell was prevalent in these seeds. I picked a male and in veg he smelled super skunk. And my female was pure skunk and I put them together and those first seeds did not smell like skunk i did it again with a different male and i got a lot of skunk so my male just he tricked me he didn't throw down the skunk smells that i had planned
0: That's interesting. Uh, We've spoken to a few breeders about this kind of quest for the roadkill skunk. A lot of people are kind of renewing it now. Do you think it's possible for it to come back? And more importantly, do you think that when people talk about the roadkill skunk, they're referring to the same strain? Or do you think the roadkill skunk is a bunch of different strains?
1: Oh, man. I truly think that it's a bunch of different strains. I think that there's a true... Okay. Okay. So I think when we're younger, our senses are a lot more open and I think that we get confused. Um, Now we're more, our palates are more refined with our cannabis smells. We've been smoking it and smelling cannabis forever, but when we're younger, a lot of things just smell bad. Like, oh my God, that's stinky. That smells like a skunk. Uh, But there are truly strains that smell like actual skunks, like a skunk sprayed and I myself, when I go fishing and I'm out, like, we're, I'm pretty close. I'm in the country area, so I smell skunks all the time. Like They're always out there, they're dropping their spray. I mean, my dad had a pet skunk and it sprayed him in the face. Uh, long story, I won't even get into that. But anyways, I have a roadkill. It's not really called roadkill, it's called skunk, um, but it smells like a, dead skunk so it smells along those lines of roadkill skunk it was called skunk though excuse me it wasn't called roadkill skunk and i i think though like what you were alluding to is the fact that there could be numerous offspring of these same genetic pool plants that smell like a skunk and so a lot of people have a memory of kill skunk i hope more people work with it it was an amazing smell it's still an amazing smell i'll work with it again eventually i have a a bunch of crosses i made years ago with it and um i've been giving them away freely for 12 13 years i've sent off hundreds of packs of them and no one ever grew them i don't know what they did with them i they might have just let them die and not know what they actually had
0: hopefully not
1: yeah hopefully not but when people get stuff for free they just don't cherish it they think it's
0: free yeah yeah it's it's such a such a relevant point because it it i mean it's it's a pretty well-known phenomenon. like it's it's even documented. but yeah you know people people don't value what they don't have to struggle for
1: it's true if you don't have to pay money for something you're like oh i can that was free it's not good um i've given away packs of seeds those uh uh, blueberry triangle I was making years ago and I was sending 100 packs or so to Seed Vault and letting them give them away. People were finding some of the best looking cannabis I'd seen. It was insane and they would send me these messages going, oh my god, can I get more of these? Where do you sell your seeds? Well? I don't really sell my seeds but I'll, I can send you a few more packs. But those things, it was like blueberry buttery muffins with the look of massive buds and then you'd get these blueberry triangle looking ones with the blueberry smell just ruled it that blueberry muffin smell just carried through on everything
0: that's killer so last little thing on the roadkill skunk some of the uh the common sentiment we heard expressed essentially is that maybe that roadkill skunk is just uh uh it derives from landrace Afghani, you know, like a particularly acrid kind of smell. Do you think that is the case? And is it not kind of interesting that it's called roadkill skunk and it's like not a skunk at all. It's like possibly just Afghani.
1: Well, yeah, it goes back to, to, um, the days when guys weren't really naming stuff, you know, and finally that one just smelled so much like dead skunks. They like just, or, or a skunk spraying. They just called it skunk. Um, I know, wind skunk was coming around, California was getting a lot of the Afghani type influx of uh, strains, so it definitely would, in my mind, would lean that way as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, what's your what's your opinions on the chem dog? You ever want to breed with it, or you think it just doesn't gel with rainbow?
1: I chased a good chem cut for a very long time because I just heard. How amazing it was and how great it was and and all these things. Um, I personally got some cuts of it. I ran them. Um, it wasn't the cuts I got, whether they were legit or not, weren't for me. Would I be open to seeing another version of Kim? Maybe one that was truly sure, 100% kim or kim one or kim sis or kim four or whatever of course i would any i mean why wouldn't i you know you would be ignorant not to at least see this plant for sure but the ones i have grown that were considered and called kim 91 the one i ran that was called kim sis they just weren't for me
0: was it like what what did you think of it like just wasn't like like it wasn't potent or it just wasn't like the type of high you enjoyed
1: yeah it wasn't the type of the the structure of the plant the way it grew wasn't wasn't what i was looking for uh it wasn't my real i didn't mind the 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 high and the one i had i actually enjoyed the flavor it had like this acrid uh funk to it um but the uh, it just wasn't my kind of a plant and then the offspring i've seen come from a lot of the Kim dog has a high tendency to throw issues after breeding and um it's something with my thai genetics that i have to take into serious consideration because thai isn't love doesn't love indoor growing like so it takes a soft hand and a lot of us like to push nutrients and my plants don't need a lot of food a lot of the time. So I would think if I crossed Rainbow with Kim Dog and people had a heavy hit, next thing I would know, people would be saying I bred Hermes and all these things. And it's just something I have to be very aware of. But I chased a good Kim Dog for years. And um, I don't know, maybe I just haven't got a good one yet.
0: Yeah, it's hard. It can be hard to say. I mean, there's it's I, I think it's probably one of maybe that or sour diesel. There's got to be like one of the most like or as you said, gelato, you know, those guys have all just got so many fake ones, it it can be hard to tell at times, right?
1: Exactly. Like I didn't like sour diesel until I finally had somebody say, Dude, this is a real diesel cut. Try a flower of this and it was it was it was really good. Like I was all, damn, that's strong cannabis. So um, and, and I'm sad, uh, because I was going to meet up with, I didn't realize that the Emerald Cup ran out of time, but I believe it's Peabut.
0: Oh yeah. 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 Yep.
1: I was, and he had some Kim dog and we, we talked about it a month or so ago and he was, uh, you could have came by the booth and tried real Kim and you could have guaranteed it would have been real Kim. So that makes me sad because I could have tried for sure for sure real kim and made my opinion on it at that point because i need to smoke it and i see his gross and i see his flowers and they i want to try them yeah so we'll just leave it at that for now because i can't talk about it because i don't know if i have ever got to grow a real freaking kim dog
0: yeah no, i understand i mean i mean yeah p or skunk Gay would definitely be the guys to see to get some really nice verifiable stuff
1: Exactly. And that's what I want to do.
0: So you kind of touched on it with the mentioning the tie and the tendencies it can sometimes have to herm. Do you find that there are any types of genetics which makes your tie more prone to hermy or is it more so as you refer to the way in which people treat it?
1: Um, the number one will be people treating it. They don't want a lot of food. They don't. Even though you kind of lo- lose the rain, the tie look out. in when I get to the rainbow part, it's still so prevalent in there, just light handed. There's, I mean, I feed quarter strength of these base nutrients. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it. I don't really do bloom boosters. I, I use a few, um, bud swells and a lot of, uh, micro life, organic products and, and things like that. A little bio biz, um, uh, so it's pretty much all natural ingredients. And um I still feed, you know, quarter and half strength is my capper. And um I I don't get it to Herm, but I haven't actually had any of them Herm. Uh, somebody sent me a picture. This is completely honest the other day of one of the crosses. And they had some it had flowers and balls on it. And he showed me a picture of the bud and they were absolutely devastated with toxicity the leaves were dead there was no trichomes and the flower looked super dry and everything like that and i'm all i just have to make sure people realize you know take an easy hand with these you're gonna get a beautiful flower no matter what you do as long as you don't overdo it so um but tie indoors it takes a little while to get her accustomed to it, and if you're growing from a seed, you're gonna, you know, even if you get some bananas on one grow or a few uh balls on the grow, if the plant's amazing, you, you don't really have to just instantly kill it. Try again one more time because you can grow it out of it in certain situations, and then you'll know was it stress or was it because it was a seedling or what it was. Did I do something wrong? Um, So give it another shot. Just keep your eyes on them. But I haven't seen, in saying that, I haven't seen uh, unsolicited hermaphrodism in um, the seeds other than the ones I've seen when the plants are just absolutely beat to shit or burnt up and things like that, which I still don't like. I still didn't like to see that 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 plant threw out balls on uh, a seedling with flowers um, at all. But with how much it looked like it was being fed, and I don't know. Some of these guys are using some pretty crazy acids, and it'll drop the pH so much and fluctuate that stuff. And it, any plant has a potential to drop out, and under those circumstances.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. So one thing I did, uh, you know, immediately pick up on was the quality of your weed. You know, some of the best I'd ever had without it being soil grown what's your style of growing exactly? You kind of touched on it a second ago, but you know, like let's, how do you do it exactly? Fill us in on the details.
1: Okay. Um, I use the cheapest, uh, medium I can get, whether it's cocoa core or basement mix or whatever. Oh, Tuper, not basement mix, Tuper, whatever cocoa mix I can get. I use truly whatever I can get for about 10 bucks. And then I reuse it a few times. Um, I'm a calcium amino junkie. Those are two things that I use a lot of. Um I I really, really like tricantinol, so I do a lot of uh um work with uh um uh, Alfalfa and um beeswax. I go I got a lady out here in the orange groves who sells me her wax the the comb with a little bit of honey in it and i'll boil it down to make sure i get the tricantinol out and things like that um the reason i can only use that at certain times though because it can it's an antimicrobial so it can kill some of the microbes so you don't use that in the teas and things um but it's a huge source of tricantinol um uh, i love my microbe life products uh uh they're really well made the company is so easy to stand with and behind and so i like that and then um my guy uh adrian from biobiz he uh hooks me up with uh a lot of uh biobiz products his uh sisters have his sister and mom has some of the same ailments as i do so i share medicine with them and he in returns you know shares the biobiz with me and um it's a pretty amazing product um but you know, I keep things pretty simple. Uh rainbow grows itself. It it truly does. Like that's what's so special about her. And I can't I, I don't really tout myself or toot my own horn. I, I, I know I'm a good grower. Um everything I grow, whether it's whatever I'm growing, it turns out good. Um so but I kind of just let the plants tell me what they want, what they need. And I've done it for so freaking long. I just – I don't measure anymore. I don't own a pH meter. I don't own a TDS or EC. I don't own anything. Uh, I still grow – people were like, well, you can't do that in large facilities. And I'm all, okay, well, I do it in 20 lighters. I've done it in a 50 lighter. How, how big is a large facility to you, you know? I just – have to do it on a larger scale i just pour more into my my reservoirs um but i am the worst person ever to try to mimic his gross because i don't do the same things over and over that i know of i used to take monotonous notes where i had binders and i'd keep track of what i did This grow and change this and change that and Eventually, I just got these products that I really like, and I do the same thing, you know, with these products. And, and sometimes I'll use more uh, calcium if it's a new batch of cocoa that I'm using. I'll really use a ton of calcium at the beginning to help saturate it. Um, uh, aminos are really a big part of that because they're the building blocks that I cherish, and I'm obsessed with carbohydrates and things like that. But I, I don't really push anything. I don't use salts. I don't go for weight I think that's another thing that helps me is I don't really push like oh I need to maximize my yield I need the best yield I need the best yield Um, if I get a really good harvest a bumper crop I'm super excited but if I got a great crop with a lower quality I would be mad Um, the rainbow that you got from me I thought I did terrible that grow Um, I had an electrical issue I wish you were here now to see this batch of rainbow because it's one of the best batches I've a flower I've ever produced out of any of my spots.
0: Wow, that'd be something to be seen. So, I guess with all that being said, what would be maybe one or two tips you'd have for our listeners, whether it be, you know, common mistakes you see or just things you've kind of picked up on?
1: Um, don't overwater. Don't overwater, especially early. Um, there's a lot of people who say you got to water, treat cocoa like hydro. You treat cocoa like like soil you get soil results so people start hitting that cocoa right when it transfers the first few weeks on the plant and cocoa let it dry out let those roots chase and fill up your buckets or whatever you're growing in then you can turn on the turn on the gates and start to give it food um, in saying that if you're going to water cocoa every day uh, and you're using nutrients every day use half strength because you're feeding every day now you don't need to push it to the limit um always if you're using salts add a product like drip clean or something to keep it clean and keep your salts mobile um don't overthink it don't overdo it don't think that you can need 50 bottles to finish this plant pick a company's line and something simple for you and Write it out. There's a reason why they have everything for you and all that. They spent a lot of money making those lines and try to use just the base nutrients on the grow. If it's one of your first grows, um, just get your A and B or your A, B, and C dependent on the company and just that. Just ride those out, see your quality, and then if you want, add another product. Um, and don't shortchange your plants on you know, your calcium and and aminos, those are two very, very key things. If you're not using those products, add it to it and you'll be impressed with what you get from it.
0: Yeah, definitely. So feel free to decline to answer this one if you want. What's your favorite grow product?
1: Uh photosynthesis plus photo C in California from uh Microbly-
0: uh nice that's with the photosynthetic bacteria isn't
1: it yes it is it's it's super super awesome i foliar i foliar my clones i soak my fresh cuttings i use that stuff like it's going out of style it smells my daughter named it fart potion years ago and because every time i'd come home she'd be like you were using fart potion daddy and i'm like, yeah lots of fart potion baby and uh that one is uh it's a special special product and um Believe it or not, honeycomb. And from the gallet out where all the orange groves are with the, the bees, that product is super, super phenomenal. Um, there's a few other products, though, that I really like. Um, uh, uh, Microblyph has an amino product that I don't think I could grow without. Um, there's uh, – oh, gosh – there's a new, not a new company. It's a new product to me. It's a elemental from Roots Organic. I'm just discovering this product. It's a powder calcium. It's like 30 something percent calcium. And it's changed how I have to force calcium onto brand new cocoa. I sprinkle that on the top, and the first water, it just saturates all my cocoa with calcium. Um, and Budswell. I really, really, really love Budswell.
0: Nice. That's a that's a pretty comprehensive list for everyone. There you go. So, next question I want to ask, you could be pretty standard and we've already touched on it, but do you have any kind of uh modifications to what would be considered the standard light schedules whether it be for veg or flower?
1: Um, I go full spectrum, so I go metal halide HPS metal halide HPS in all my rooms. Um on my DEs. Um so that's how I flower my plants. Uh I used to switch out to 10 K bulbs at the ends, but it became more of a chore than what I was seeing benefits. Um, and then the mom room, I'm pretty standard. I go 20 on four off. Um, so they, I still like my dark cycles um, on the plant to at least have some dark. I don't really run 24 seven. Um, so it's pretty basic, except for my, my flower rooms. I like a more of a full-spectrum light. I don't just like to pound the HPS. I like to mix the metal halides in there.
0: Yeah, awesome. And do you play uh, pay any attention to things like vapor pressure deficit or anything like that, or do you just have a pretty standard temperature and humidity you like to try to maintain?
1: Uh, first few weeks, I run really, really high humidity, um, 80-ish percent. Um, And my temperatures are around in the 80s as well. And then after about week, when I hit about week three, I start lowering my temperatures and my humidity. And then by the end, I like to see my rooms get about no higher than 77. And I like my night temps to be in the 60s and uh, my humidity levels to drop immensely.
0: Yep. So, what's your recommendations for curing humidity and temperature wise?
1: Um, I usually dry and I usually dry everything together. Chop them off and long branches. I still hang dry everything like that. I usually keep it about seventy three degrees, seventy four degrees. Um, <clears throat> I my humidity levels. I try to keep them around that. 50-ish percentile um and it 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 dries them kind of fast at the beginning not fast that's wrong but I make sure with big heavy buds I don't get any sort of bud rot or anything like that I keep fans going but I always face them up into the ceiling just so it's blowing the air in circles and then um but after about five to seven days I usually turn off my dehumidifiers once that big burst of uh Humidity's gone. I'll turn off my dehumidifiers and I'll let them sit for another three to four days in a, a more of a high humid room, but the humidity levels are a little higher, and then it kind of slows down the drying process. And then, as soon as they're dry to me, um, I'm off the the stems and start trimming up my product. And um, my my big key to it is though is I don't take them off the stems that they're still moist. I want them to be dry. They can still be moist at the stem. The stem being moist is okay, but my flowers have to be dry. Um, I don't like to take them off the stem when they're still moisture. I feel I lose some smell and uh, overall appeal.
0: And so when you breed is is there a specific attribute that you rate above others like do you think that you know given we referenced earlier how terpenes are the big thing at the moment do you think that if you're going to release something it has to have you know good terpenes be eye-catching or would you be willing to you know put something out that maybe wasn't so in your face but if you smoked it you'd realize where the value was
1: um i the number one thing will have to be the medicated part, the high, if you will. It has to be there. Like I've bred for myself with just pure flavor and stuff was probably twelve percent, even down to eight percent with some of my uh Calio crosses. They were absolutely like low, low, low THC. But the flavor was amazing and but I found that some of my clients would steer away from it towards my stronger ones. So I breed for others for strength first, or I won't say my numbers are insane. I've never had rainbow tested. So I couldn't tell you where she tests out at, but her feeling the way you feel when you smoke her, you know that you smoked and everything just relaxes. And that's one thing I look for. I look for everything to relax, but not be sleepy. I. So if that's, if I was to pick something I know it's a weird thing to pick but my entire body to relax I want my head to be pushed back where I'm all there it is but I don't want to be sleepy because I work a lot I have a daughter she's very busy I'm very involved with her life on every day so I can't be sleepy groggy want to sit on the couch
0: so with that being said are you overall an indica guy or a sativa guy
1: I, I'm a definite hybrid. I don't like being any kind of racy because I've, I've been, uh, uh, I have a heart thing, so I've been cardioverted multiple times. So I don't like my heart to go fast anymore. Like I can't take it. Uh, But I don't want to be couch locked, so I'm definitely a hybrid. I'm a hybrid with a sativa leaning for the upbeat part, but only to an extent. I'm very picky. I am probably the pickiest person I know when it comes to cannabis. It's hard for me to like pick a side. I want it down the middle, like truly, like I want this perfect, perfect thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. It's a good good standards, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess. I'm, or I'm just an ass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. Just jumping back to the breeding for a second, I forgot to ask this one back then. What's your protocol for male pollination? Do you kind of like, you know, put the females in a few weeks ahead, then put the males in and then just let them go and do their thing? Like, how do you do it?
1: Okay, so I put my girls in until flower and I want good flower setting. I actually, like week three-ish, where I'm already having really good flower sets, then I'll introduce the male. I always put the male into the room. Um, I always keep a clone that's already rooted in the bedroom so I don't lose my boy. The whole male goes into the room. As soon as he starts dropping pollen, I'll put the fans on him, all around in there. I'll give him about two days, and then I kill the male, bag him, and take him out. I don't want any later pollinations. I don't want dark seeds and then continue to pollinate as my flowers go or a bunch of white seeds so i try to do my pollination i let him have like two days where he starts really throwing his pollen and it's not like first bag that opens it's when he really starts opening up i give him two days and then after that once i feel that there's enough pollen in the air and everybody's got it my boy comes out
0: interesting and i've heard uh i can't remember who said it I think it might have actually even been Ken from GDP. But anyway, regardless, I heard this weird sentiment expressed and I wanted to know if you'd ever had experienced anything like this. But basically, the idea is if you pollinate different branches with different males... You'd expect that, you know, you'd get crosses representing the individual fathers. But someone once said that like a plant won't accept pollen from another male once it's already accepted pollen from like a first or an initial male. Do you think that's like any truth to that or it just sounds hocus pocus?
1: I used to do a ton of limb by limb pollination. Um, I'm trying to think if I actually used when I used more than one male on a single plant, I know I did when I did the chocolate cherry, and I did. I wanted the chocolate cherry uh, ACDC, and I wanted the lavender Tripoli Wicked ACDC. So I hit branches with chocolate cherry, and I hit branches with lavender ACDC, and they both came out chocolate cherry ACDC and lavender uh, Tripoli Wicked ACDC. So I was able to do that.
0: yeah okay cool might sound like a silly question to some people but i just want to be hearing that somewhere so what was the last strain besides one that you created that really kind of just blew you away
1: oh my goodness uh riot just did this uh black i think calls it black pie it's a great pie with his i want to say his afghani um Oh, my God, it is stunning. It is truly... I'm almost positive it's called Black Pie, and it is stunning. And then um, Mad's uh, original Triple E Wicked work was... I was just talking about it today. It's truly, truly, truly special. The original Triple E Wicked. um, I think it's Jackie Boy by Lavender. Or is it Triple E by Lavender? I think it was Jackie Boy by Lavender. Um, That one was crazy. It was... The darkest of purples, it looks so much like Lavi, but it had like this pink lemonade nose to it. Um those two were really awesome. And Dosido, I, I can't knock Dosy with That plant I found in those seeds is phenomenal. It really is. So give me that Black Pie by Riot and Triple E Wicked by, by Mad and Dosy by Archive, and I'd shit. I'd be a happy camper. I grew the uh, two of them for a long time.
0: That's awesome. So just as a bit of a side note, you grew the Docido dough from seed. What was it like to get those? Because I remember when they first came out, like they were just so hard to get and there was so limited offering. How did you score a pack?
1: Uh, a friend of mine gave them to me actually to, to find a keeper. He bought everything that ever hit the market. He just That's what he did. I, I've never seen a seed collection quite like uh, his ever. He had those 50-gallon totes just full of every breeder that I know and knew and didn't know from all over the world, and um, it was funny. I had no idea what Docito was, and uh, he hits me up and he's like, hey, I want. I have something I think you would like, because at the time I was uh, really hunting with the OGKB and running through my own work with it and putting it through its paces and hitting it with uh, the red vine pollen. And I was like, what do you got? And he was like, well, it's a, somebody's work with OGKB do um, you want to try it and I was like oh yeah man I'd love to see it just in case I don't end up liking what I'm working on I could work through those and uh, he gave them to me and uh, I popped I want to say six of them the first day I think there was it was an odd number it was either 11 or 13 seeds in the pack and I popped six, six of them and the first six four were male and two were female and those i killed the males because i i i kind of regret it but i killed the males because i don't really work with other people's stuff without permission um then i kept the two females and they weren't they weren't what i was looking for and they pop anymore and i end up popping the rest and then i found uh the dosi six that i run exclusively now as my dosi doka and uh Um, it was you knew it was great in the moment she started the flower you really did the just the way she stacked the way she had her structure i like plants that stretch and she stretched out really well and uh it was just great and i watched it and i was like god this is gonna be hard this is gonna be a hard one to ever beat for me like in the room um and when i finished her yeah, it was like people were saying, like, oh my God, dude, this is some of the best flower I've ever had. And I was like, yeah, it's really freaking strong. It's like the same things they said about rainbow. They were saying about Dosido when I was growing the hell out of it. Um, so, yeah, I got him gifted to me. I shared the cuts back with him. He absolutely hated it. So I was with the Dosido cut. Huh. What a
0: change of events.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he hated it because he can't stand plants that stretch. He's on very, very high uh, height height restrictions. So yeah. he, yeah, he couldn't do it. I mean, she four times his, four like quadruples her size after flip. She's she's crazy.
0: Yeah, I, I've got a a do dominant cross a Jelly Breath, and by God, it's it's a handful
1: yeah yeah they'll go wild wild but yeah a lot of people have reached out for out to me now for my dosi do cut after seeing it and I've shared it with uh, a few people um one of them it died well he's moving so he doesn't have it anymore and riot has it uh, so I'm hoping he can do some work with it because you know, so many things have gotten put on the back burner here um with the all the rainbows and everything like that and now what my future plan is with it my dosi is going to just sit there and be for a while.
0: I've got a question for you now. It relates to a topic you just kind of touched on in regards to you said uh, you didn't really want to breed with stuff. You didn't have permission. These types of questions, I find the devil's in the details. So I'm going to give you a specific example because I think it'll make it easier to answer. If someone came up to you and they were like, hey, man, I found a really nice female in one of your packets. I'd like to use it in a breeding program and I'd be using a male that I created with other stuff. Would you be cool with me using that? What do you think about that?
1: Uh, I would say, well, I would say yes. They they bought the seeds; it's theirs, use it. Uh, just, you know, say what it is, be honest about it. Uh, when I reached out to use my Dosido female the first time, I was told no to not use it. Uh, and then after the F2s came out and everybody was having it and everybody was working with Dosido, I was all. Man, I gotta be able to work with this. Paid a lot of money for these seeds. I put a lot of time and effort into these seeds. I'm gonna make some crosses with it. I mean, I pretty much feel that that plant, I'm the one who helped bring that plant to where this is. Not docito as a cross, but my plant, my docito, my girl, like the one that I'm growing. I didn't create her, but I brought her to life and kept her, and I was, oh, I'm gonna work with it. Uh, and so if anybody finds something in any of my crosses, do it the only thing that would ever affect me or make me sad we'll say or anything like that like I'd be all damn is if somebody openly got something from me with uh, that I didn't release and they made F2s and sold those F2s that would perturb me a little bit because if I didn't plan on releasing it and ah those kind of things what would give you the thought that you were all like hey your ass off to make this i found a boy and a girl in Tennessee, put them together now i'm releasing f2s of it that would see like that to me isn't proper but teach their own
0: yeah it's it's interesting the way the dynamics of it work because I think ultimately what I was kind of intending with that question was in my mind that's one of the most reasonable requests anyone can make. You know, it's like I bought your seeds, I'm using a female, not a male. So I don't know, I think people tend to look a bit more kindly upon that because, you know, you found it and whatnot. And then most importantly, they say, and I'm going to use a mail that's different, I made it, it's not related yet, you know, so I'm not just cramming two of your strains together, you know, it's like it's unrelated. And so, yeah, it's interesting that there are some people out there who who would deny that one. in my mind, it's like that is seemingly the most reasonable request you could make while still showing the respect of asking and doing all that type of thing, you know?
1: Exactly. I've been there. I've been on both sides of it. I've asked politely and I've been and- I would never tell anybody no on a female, especially like you just said if they were using hey I'm using a male I created I found this extremely special female in your work can I, I'd be all like oh my god yeah I'd probably be the kind of I'm the kind of guy I'd be all like yeah but you got to send me some seeds is like a joke you know I'd be all like but you know I get some of those seeds like I got to be able to at least see them or if you find a killer cut let me get it <laughs> yeah for sure. so, yeah so and that that's what I tell a lot of guys now is all I have so many guys growing my stuff now I'm all like I want to see pictures because if you having this many people grow my stuff is really rad because they're basically putting on a search that I can't do by myself so I have you know a 100 dudes or something growing well men and women growing out all these head strains. they're growing 10 30 50 different seedlings I get to see all those seedlings I get to see them all and be like, be like, oh my God, that one's absolutely stunning. Would you be willing to trade me a cut that you found in my seeds for another pack of seeds or something else or two packs or whatever you want, you know, like I want that one. And believe it or not, most people offer yes when it's my work, like, the people who are growing my work, and when I reached out to them and talked to them about this, they'd be all like, absolutely. Like they were so happy that they I asked them, and then they would ask me, like, well, do you mind if I do a project with it? And I'm all, absolutely not. You, you own those you own those seeds and you no. Know. But the only time, like I said, I'd ever have an issue is with there were some packs that I only released one pack and I did it to some friends or things along that nature or certain people. And if some of those people took that single pack of seeds where they got 10 seeds and they took a single boy out of their massive selection of three to five male, a single female out of their giant selection of, you know, five females, and they made F2s and then released it, that would, it's disturbing because of their selection size was 10 seeds first off and then the second one i never released it why would you release it you know like that that would be the only holdup i've ever had with it and then again if somebody did it i'd probably look past it anyways because how many projects do i have going i would never get to it so who knows
0: yeah it's interesting so kind of related to your breeding will we ever see the release of any fems from you
1: i've actually been getting a ton of requests uh Riot sent me his spray, and um, it's something I am I'm gonna do because I didn't realize how many of these guys in non-medical states, in really, really harsh climates that can't afford to have boys taken place. And they've reached out to me and they've asked me, please make female seeds. Please make female seeds. And I'm that person. If somebody asks me for something and I'm capable of doing it, most likely, I'm going to do it for you, yeah. even if it's not in breeding, just in life in general. If I'm capable to help somebody, if somebody needs help, I am going to help.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And so, with that in mind, will you ever consider doing any commercial releases of some C- like some really CBD orientated stuff?
1: I've made – I was I was telling you earlier, I've made some CBD. Um, I'm working with some right now. I, I put a little 4x4 section. It's not a huge section. But I have a 4x4 of the Chocolate Cherry, ACDC, and, uh, Lavi, uh, and the Lavi the other side, the other 4x4 of uh, this 4x8 area. Um, is One's Chocolate Cherry and one's Lavi, Tripoli, Wicked. And I'm considering actually making some of those into the – the the fem, fem, female seeds. So like, if you wanted to pop a, a CBD seed, you don't have to go through a whole bunch and look through males and this and that. It'll be a female seed. You get it. You grow one. It's a girl that's going to have high CBD numbers and um, amongst other things with it. But I do I, I do want to release CBD because. I use so much CBD. There's not a day that goes by in my life that I don't use CBD products, whether it's from lozenges to gummies to I have tons of my coconut oil CBD that I usually cook. I'll buy a QP of CBD flowers from uh, one of my organic friends and I'll make a bunch of coconut oil with it and it's really strong and I take a shot of it every morning. Or um, I'm not the biggest fan of uh, uh, the isolates or distillates because it's just a single it's just cbd i prefer a full plant extract but there's a few companies that make really good distillates now i had some uh cream um from a company not too long ago and it was some of the best like uh face lotion i've ever had it was really amazing
0: yeah cool so when you do that shot do you find you get uh as good of an effect from that, say, as a comparative dose, say, sublingually? Or do you find that ingesting it makes it act a little different, kind of in the same way to THC is a little different to when you say combust it or inhale it?
1: Well, I really, really like this, this what I'm doing with this coconut oil and drinking it. Um, for some reason, it it takes a little longer for it to kick in. Uh but once it kicks in, it feels that it lasts so much longer. And the I don't like anything with the alcohol tinctures in it. So uh, um the I like to just use the coconut oil and I feel that since it's a fatty oil that it does better going through my digestive tract to really absorb everything.
0: Yeah, for sure. So kind of relating back to the topic we were talking about earlier in regards to breeding other people's work I mean not really but kind of in that general area how like, what would be your general advice to someone who is trying to make the transition from say a grower to a breeder like if you you were talking to say someone who's a grower and they're saying to you I'd like to become a breeder but I'm, I'm not really sure what to do what do you think are kind of some of the things you have to do before you can you know really consider taking it on and becoming a breeder so to speak
1: well I always tell everybody, breed for yourself first. Always breed for you because worst case, you may make some stuff that you know you're going to enjoy. Um, that That's probably my most important thing. If I make something that I absolutely love, then how can I ever be sad about it? You know, so as long as you're breeding for you, you're you're golden, and then other if other people start to like it, and you're able to put it out there and have people even buy them from you, and then grow them, and that's just all icing on the cake. But the number one thing should always be breed for yourself. Don't go in there thinking you're going to make money off of it, or you're going to do this or that. One how would I say what about to do? Don't start before you've ever seen a plant don't buy a pack of seeds and think oh i'm going to cross this pack of seeds with that pack of seeds you've never even seen the plants you're going to pretty much set yourself up for failure see the plants grow the plants find the plants that are special and then go to it then if you find these girls that are wow that's an amazing girl i would love to see her with wow i found this really really nice boy over here Those two should pair well together. I'll breed those two together. Um, But don't go in there thinking, I bought pack A from this breeder, I brought pack B from this breeder, and I'm breeding them together. Because then, no matter what, you're breeding them, whether the plants suck or not.
0: Okay, awesome. So, interestingly enough, We've seen a rise in the both the general interest and the concern of breeders' involvement with Phylos. How do you feel about Phylos? Do you feel it's just a tool, you know, engage with it if you want? Or do you feel it's maybe... I've heard for some people kind of say that it, it could be like the first step to something a little more sinister in regards to patenting, things like that. What's your opinion on it all?
1: I don't like the patent in part because you could have some random guy that patented something that he had nothing to do with. So I'll just start there with that. Just a little saying. Um, What I do enjoy about it though, is that some people pretend that they're the only people in the world with these clones or these guys who say that they created this, but they don't have any males or any other phenols. They just have this one singular plant. Well, if it gets tested and compared to other plants you could kind of know who's made what and what's what. And people have to be a little more honest. But the problem with it will be is their samples. Their samples have to be what they truly are. So in some of these older plants, the Kims, for instance, if their sample isn't really Kim, let's say it's one of the ones I've grown, and then somebody has a real Kim and they bring it in there and they don't match well, how do you know which one's the fake one and which one's the real one? So that'll be the biggest issue. I I like the part that you can kind of dissect these plants and say, well, that person is using this person's genetics because they match up perfectly. So they are just got the phenol of that, and then they're working with it. So I, I do like that aspect, I guess. It's a cool thing but the rest of it is i don't know it's um, the whole thing is does it really matter like does it matter who made this or who is claiming that or who did this it's an amazing strain it's an amazing strain if you have it you have it if you don't you don't but right. it is it is what it is. I, I think a lot of it gets down to that whole dick measuring thing, you know, like that's mine. No, I made that first. No, I did that first. So I don't know, man, that one's a tough one. I, I'm i glad it exists, but I can see the massive amounts of issues it's going to cause.
0: Yeah. Okay. So quick little sneaky grow question. I'm going to sneak in here. Um, I, I didn't ask anything about IPM, you know, what's your protocol, like clean and prevention is best, or do you have any sort of IPM routine you do if you notice an issue?
1: Um, I used to use a product called Green Cleaner, um, religiously, at least uh, every two weeks or so, um, not because I had bugs, but just because it was a rad product and it cleaned everything. Uh, one one time there was blue green cleaner in my body my bottle and it's always green and sprayed it on my plants and lost about I don't know 75% of my entire mom's um, because it was Mm -hmm. their root cleaner it was the root cleaner put in their foliar one so after that happened um, I pretty much just take great care of my plants if I bring a plant in from a unknown source or not let's not even say an unknown source because i would never bring a plant in from an unknown person if i bring a plant in from somebody else it goes through the scope it goes through the isolation chamber and it just gets checked i usually i love cinnamon so i'll use cinnamon oil and spray around the plant i won't bring anything in that's all already in dirt because this whole root aphid epidemic is out of control so i will only bring in unrooted cuttings that I can root myself in my chamber and watch the plants and make sure that no bugs pop up and things of that nature. And I usually keep my humidity levels in that room pretty high, um, just to force yeah, out any- them that would possibly be on the plant.
0: Yeah. Okay. So recently you know, at the Emerald Cup, there was this kind of sentiment, which thankfully has been cleared up. There will be an Emerald Cup next year. But the sentiment was around, like, what's the Emerald Cup going to be like next year? You know, what's your predictions given the legal changes in California recently?
1: Well, I was seeing that they're going to allow, um, at fairground type things, like at fairgrounds, they're going to allow these, uh, events to take place like they used to. So you won't need all these, Huge licenses and stuff like that. Um, I truly felt that if the only people who were going to be able to sell at these shows were the big corporations, who would go? I mean, I don't want to go and give you ninety dollars for a subpar eight. Um, yeah. No seed. Nobody who breeds seeds could be there because the guy most a lot of the guys who have been grinding the seeds. They're not giant money guys. They're not doing all these things. Are they going to be able to have a recreational license to sell seeds and things like that? So I think that we're going to see a swing back to the way it was just for events, just turn a blind eye for events and then continue down this new road on uh daily living, if you will, or, you know, uh, in the, in the rec world, I'm so anti this rec scene. I've, I've been peeking in on places and checking places out. I mean, uh, a friend showed me. He went to Harborside and bought five-eighths of some of the worst outdoor cannabis I've ever seen, but it was all packaged in glass jars and fanciness, and he spent over $400 on five-eighths of brown stuff. It was it was unbelievable, and they wouldn't even let him see the flower or smell the flower or touch it. What he wanted and how much of it he wanted wanted and they handed him a sealed container that he paid for it damn crazy yeah great that's why this wreck it's gonna work for some but it's not gonna work for most
0: yeah totally right so what do you foresee to be the future um is it a good time to be a medium to small scale grower
1: if you can grow really good cannabis um you're always going to have a place in the industry um, because of those reasons. People aren't going to go to the shops and want to spend that kind of money on the eight of uh, middle of the road stuff. They're just not going to. Will Will things change? I'm sure it will. But boutique growers will always have a place in the industry because if you can grow amazing stuff that nobody else has and people want it, they're gonna they're going to buy it. So you can continue to you know it's a job I mean it takes a lot of time effort and money to produce top of the line cannabis and the hopefully the prices can continue to support those kind of growers
0: yeah okay so it's not all doom and gloom like some might make out I,
1: I don't think so I people are still taking all my rainbow off of my my hands that I need to have for my medical patients and with I have to stop moving it because I run out. So I, I'm pretty sure we'll be okay.
0: On that same note though, the the kind of the meme sentiment at the last Emerald Cup was that if all these small scale guys were to die out, all of them were just going to immediately become breeders as like, you know, a bit of a joke, but there was a little bit of that sentiment. A lot of people were switching over and it does in general seem as though the number of breeders in the market and just in general, it's kind of exponentially increasing. How do you think this is going to affect things in the long term? You know, do you think it's going to be hard to stand out?
1: Every name has seeds or genetics in it on Instagram. I swear, guys who have never even made a seed have you know so and so seeds or so and so genetics. Um, I think what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to have your own place, it's like, like how my brother has purple. People who want purple seeds. We'll, we'll go to see him to get his purple seeds. Um, the or or you're gonna have to have something that really stands out. Like, luckily for me, Rainbow is a huge, huge, you know, selling point. People see her and they're like, "Wow, that is a special cannabis plant. I would like to try that, or I would like to have some of the seeds or some of the flowers." So, so those are gonna be big things. I don't know how well people will do when they're just working with this breeder and this breeder and putting them together and trying to you know, sell seeds. I don't know how well those, those kind of places will survive with the amount of breeders flooding the market now. Um, but there's enough growers that want seeds. Seeds will still sell.
0: That's good to hear. So, What do you think is kind of the best way for the community to move forward in a sense? Do you think that we should be trying more to kind of band our efforts together for like greater good goals that, you know, like require people to band together, like things like a legislative change where, you know, like you can't really do it on your own? Or do you think that it's better to just, you know, kind of everyone focus on doing their own thing and just have more unity within the movement in general?
1: The unity thing uh, should it should be it's so hard to see so many fights and over naming rights or it's all just about money in reality all the fights are around money so that's always hard to see um banding together i with a good voice and the lead to help push it it would it could work uh, um, but the, our problem is, is that everybody is their own leader. They everybody wants to yell but not listen. So that would be the hardest part, especially in this community. Everybody has a voice, but nobody has ears. And they all want to just scream, scream, scream and this, this, this instead of like, hey, why don't we all get together and let's you know hash out these major things and let's get on board with fixing this. I still can't believe this 64 passed in California blew my mind. Like I was telling everybody I knew, hey, it's a terrible, terrible idea. It's not legalizing anything. It's not recreationally everything. I mean, if you have over cannabis, you can still go to prison. How is that okay? How is it okay for anybody to go to prison for cannabis? It doesn't make sense. It affected my life. It's affected my family's life. The prison for cannabis crap, you know, since before I was born. And, I mean, supposedly I was conceived during a conjugal visit. I mean, come on. It's affected my life. Nobody should be in prison for cannabis. This whole thing like, oh, we'll let them have one ounce, but anything over that, well, we're putting them in prison. There should be zero prison for cannabis. Like, that's the one thing that it has to stop. Um, it has to go away.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good, good point to echo. One of the last couple of questions before we get into the quick fires: Do you think overall legalization has had a net positive effect or not?
1: It's better than it was. It was uh, when I was growing in the nineties, and I could have went to prison for one plant. So at least we're taking steps forward and so we just need a bunch of more big steps going forward so it's definitely better than one plant in a person's yard you go straight to prison so i'll say that at least
0: yeah okay so what strain besides the rainbow has been the personal has been personally the most rewarding for you to have created
1: Honestly, the red vine, I mean, that one, can I, you know what, I'm going to leave out chocolate cherry, red vine, and rainbow because this one's just giant. Um, I'm going to go with the, the blockhead work that I did with the skunk. Um, that one stunk so bad it smelled like rotted meat in a jar. Like, it actually would trigger my gag reflex. I miss that one a lot. I need to get back into those seeds. Um there was almost like trick flower I could like open the jar and be I'll smell this and, and people would smell it and be all like oh my god what is that and like do the same thing everyone got like gaggy over how repulsive that that plant smelled
0: <laughs> that's awesome so down to the last quick fire questions who's the best grower that you know oh man um myself (laughs) i
1: did i i think i grow the best flower that i personally know like that i personally you know like locally to where i'm where i'm at i don't see oh um no um oh god i can't remember his name um cultivar there's a guy named cultivar on instagram kid can fucking grow so i'll say cultivar
0: yeah, it's actually a trick question the answer is jungle boys <laughs>
1: damn missed that one <laughs> uh
0: so what's your prediction for the hottest strain of 2018
1: um most likely uh, uh i'm gonna say Probably something crossed with freaking Purple Punch or with the Mac, something in in those, or one of the, no, uh, Sunday Driver from uh, Colorado. Sunday Driver won't be the hot strain this year.
0: Nice, yeah, it's already got some traction for sure. So opposite end of the spectrum, what's the worst strain to ever get a following behind it?
1: oh my god I don't, I don't want to say this
0: one. Um, you can tell me later I'll tell you later w- what was number two though
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, number two would be uh, oh god it was uh, Quirkle
0: okay there you go if you could only pick one land race to smoke for the rest of your life which one would it be
1: Oh, I would have to go with a Michoacan, a Mexican.
0: Nice pick, nice pick. So, other end of the spectrum, in a way, Desert Island weed. You can pick two strains, any of them, doesn't matter, modern or old. What are they?
1: SCDC and rainbow.
0: Ah, nice. What draws you to the SCDC? Just like the indica side of things or...
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of like rainbow. It has the best of both worlds. The strawberry cough is still there, and the deep chunk is super prevalent. and has that little berry finish. I mean, I get her to finish black, like her the buds turn black, and she's a really, really special plant.
0: Yeah, she certainly looks it. So what is the worst grow product?
1: The worst grow product? Um, the, oh, God, it's the the silica from that really cheap silica everybody uses that doesn't actually do anything for the plant good lord what's the name of that silica that everybody uses
0: it's not that osa 28 or whatever
1: oh no no not the osa stuff oh, i know this stuff is like ten dollars for a bottle um i think it's not so um oh uh shooting powder shooting powder is terrible
0: shooting powder yeah for sure chewing Valor is just the worst (laughs) (laughs) alrighty so indoor, outdoor, greenhouse you can only have one which one's it going to be? indoor nice last but not least question what is the best thing to happen to cannabis since you've been involved with it?
1: the internet it's been the best and the worst the internet's changed everything we have a giant giant library that we all get to share if we choose Uh, it's changed everything no more little pieces of paper writing to Europe seed breeders like everybody's on the internet Um, yeah it started well after I was already in cannabis but that was watching that happen to cannabis and chat rooms and all these things cannabis and breeding and seeds and clones it's just amazing I think the internet changed everything And it really changed cannabis.
0: Yeah, that's a really, really, really good answer we haven't had before. So I think that might just about wrap it up for this one. Was there any comments or shout outs you wanted to make? You know what, man? I want to thank you
1: first, seriously, um, for having me back on and making, you know, putting me out there so I can say my words and stumble upon things and who knows what I said because I fucking don't remember. Ryan of course I gotta call out right every time just because he is he's an amazing person my brother you know Matt farmer he's a he's my brother um my wife who will never hear this because she allows me to do this shit has been with me for 20 years um watching me through this struggle and she got with me when I was in the struggle and doing these mountain grows and worrying about me driving in the back of my car um and uh everybody who follows me on instagram and sends me messages everybody who's bought my seeds or reach out to me to tell me they appreciate my work and those kind of things uh of course my guys from Microblife hydroponics because i love brett and those guys and adrian from biobiz and and yeah the podcast is awesome thanks for having me on bubba
0: awesome thanks so much for coming on the show and for the kind words i'll talk to you soon big thank you again to Smell and Mad for stopping by and for sharing all that knowledge with us as always seeds here now 420 Australia organic gardening solutions best in the business and the guys who make this show happen thank you again guys make sure to check them out and last but not least thank you to our Patreon gang these guys likewise lifeblood of the show if you want to get access to content that's not available yet jump onto the Patreon And if not, we'll see you again soon. We'll see you.